If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special, special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. You guys may be seated. I, lo I love this church. Nathan said, please be seated. Dean said, thank you. <laughs> we got a Santa Claus over here. <laughs> Scott says, don't worry. He's a subordinate clause. <laughs> I, I love going to church here. But you know, I don't know about you, but I, I have sense that... This is the 9 a.m. service. <laughs> Does anyone else feel like that right now? It's like, whoa, we'll get there. We'll get there. It is Christmas week. I'm sure we've all like, you know, last night we had the Loon Christmas party up there at Loon. And um, so that was that was really good time. And what I think is incredible uh, for me is to watch God's movement. Right. So uh, God, Jesus came. And uh, if Jesus would have just spoke to large, large crowds, over and over again and not made really 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 close friends the odds are his message probably would have gone down in history as something we'd remember but it would not have been a movement that billions of people had come to to make a movement what had made that movement was his close friends that went on to tell that story and live and heal and teach others to live and heal and the got with the gospel we're seeing it here at loon mountain ministry because you know it's not just heidi and i you know, it's it's really cool to watch at the like the loon party last night. Nathan's over there talking to somebody. Drew's over there talking to somebody. Craig came and visited. He's over there. My kids are all over the place at the loon party. And they're talking to different people, and I'm over here talking to somebody. And Heidi's over there talking to somebody. And it's like, wow, this is really really cool. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this moment to to brag on one of my kiddos. Uh, there is a scripture that says you need to be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within you, right? And so if someone is seeing the hope that lies within you, they're going to ask some questions. So on a chairlift yesterday, Abishai got drilled by an 11-year-old kid, uh, which I think is cool. And I love kids. They don't hold back. They ask exactly what's on their mind. And so the kid was like, hey, so what's your religion again? What do you, what do you guys again? What's your dad do here at the mountain? She's like, oh, you know, we're Christians, and my dad's a chaplain, and, you know, we do church. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, you know, what exactly is Christianity again? And Abishai is like, well, you know, there's God, there's Jesus, and came to earth, and da da da. And then this is the next question. I love this. This, this 11 year olds don't hold punches. The next question, literally, from, okay, you're a Christian, is how do I have my sins forgiven? 
just like that. 11-year-old boy, boom, right to the point. And Abishai's like, uh, well, Jesus came and he, and he died so that all sins could be forgiven and you just need to you know, believe in him. And he's like, well, what do, I, what do I need to do to believe in him? And she's like, well, you know, you could talk to him and, and tell him, you know, you can say a prayer and, and tell him that you believe in him. And then this is awesome. I love this kid's mind working, right? He goes, so if I say the prayer, am like, I converted to Christianity? <laughs> she's like, well, yeah, I, I guess so. And he goes, but I, I don't want that. I, I, don't want, I don't want to be converted to Christianity. I just want my sins forgiven. How do I do that? <laughs> and it's a riot that he can articulate what most adults don't want to come to grips with. Can I just have my sin forgiven and not have the commitment part? That would be really cool. You know, Jesus, I was wondering if we could get married. You could just do my laundry, make me dinner, and make sure that it's hot meal when I get home, and uh, then I can go wherever I want, do whatever I want. That's cool. That's cool. I don't need to wear the ring, you know? And... Yeah, is that how, yeah. Oh, <laughs> looks like you're going home with Santa. <laughs> I can't tell who's more red, Santa or Eunice. Um, but uh, so it's so cool and that she's like, and I, my daughter's like, well, um, well, maybe your parents can talk to my parents about this decision, and then they get off the chairlift, and you know, that was the end of the conversation. But you, 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 you know, you've got to be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies uh, within you. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Well, today, uh, we, we, we have, like the smokers alluded to, we have been all over uh, with our candles uh, but if you come on Christmas Eve, we'll cover each of them. But essentially, in different order, there's a candle of hope, uh, there's a candle of peace, there's a candle of joy, and uh, uh, how it goes, I think, with all church calendars is the fourth candle is always the candle of love, right? Peace, hope, and joy, they get mixed around a little bit, depending upon if you're Methodist or if you're, I don't know, American Baptist or Southern Baptist or Maine Western Baptist, um, you know, that's a thing, I think. Um, but, you know, that the, the last one is jo- a love before we light the Christ candle on Sunday night. And uh, not Sunday night, on Tuesday night. Um, so today, I... Tuesday night, because Christmas Eve. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> good, to have you, good to have you back with us, Jesse. Um, so uh, today, I have prepared a sermon on love. And uh, love, all right, yeah, that's what brings us together. Love is a funny thing. I mean, I know it's like you can't stop, right? So let, let's throw out some songs that first came to your mind. This was funny. I did this the other day with, while having coffee with somebody. Here I am, the pastor, right? And there's people that weren't churchy people. A lot of their love songs were like good love songs, like religious love songs, faith-based. My first song that came to my mind, what is love? Lady, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. What is love? Lady, don't hurt me. What is right? What is wrong? Sorry. I know, sorry. What was was the song that you thought of, Ian, when I said the word love? Oh, sorry. Santa, what song did you think of when I said love? You got two seconds. Love, what song comes to your mind? You, Santa Claus is coming to town. That is love to Santa Claus. All right. Thank you, Santa Claus. Yes. Oh, yeah. Love you. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought she loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She loves you. Okay, the Beatles song, a lot of songs about love. Some other songs about love. Come on. Come on, Love Shack. Somebody's going to say that. You love me? Uh, sure. Come on, Lena. Oh. 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 In church. Yes. You can. Yeah. Oh. Lena, you can eat first today. Any, love is a verb. DC talk. Yeah. Uh. Greatest love of all. That's a good one. Good. So there's a lot, you know, and uh, maybe Whitney Houston, you know. Uh, love me. Wow. You know, you know, Dean, what's crazy about Elvis, right? I don't know if you guys saw this on Facebook about a month ago, but they did this thing, this really cool graph that grew and ebbed and flowed, and they started with album sales by quarter, starting i believe it was in the 50s so any 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 uh, artist that sold an album and they did how many album sales by quarter what blew my mind now we all know the beatles were right at the top right and you'd see people come and go like led zeppelin came up and then he went back down and you'd see like madonna came up and then she went back down what was crazy what i noticed about the top a couple things wow this is actually going deep right now one the Beatles, Elvis, and Michael Jackson barely ever came out of the top five. And it wasn't like, and you would see people go, zoop, 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 zoop. They'd come flying up, and then they'd go right back down. They'd come flying up. You know, Taylor Swift came flying up, and then she went back down. But Elvis, the Beatles, and Michael Jackson stayed in that top five pretty much from the 50s right until today in album sales by um, by quarter. What do each of those bands have in common? Death. John Lennon, Elvis Presley, Michael Jackson. Each one. You want to talk about, I'm getting goosebumps talking about this. You want to talk about gospel. You want to talk about impact. Death is very impactful. And a baby came to earth knowing that baby knew at some point in time even as a human even as fully god that the whole point of the coming to earth was to die for without death without the shedding of blood paul says there will be no remission for sin there'll be no penalty no payment no 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 making it right for sin now little guy knew it that little guy knew it. And, and, and according to theology, according to Scripture, Jesus had to be fully human. He had experienced the fullness of death. And we're moving into love today, right? And we think about all this thing about love, right? Well, what I wanted to figure out online is what people have to say about love. And here's what I found out is pretty, pretty interesting, Right? So there's the joy candle and the love candle, all right? We talked about joy. Joy is this really hard to explain, unmeasurable, 
uh, you know, not re- like we can't reproduce it. This feeling, this experience, I don't want to say just feeling, it's an experience that, that, that comes over you. And sometimes it's really unpredictable. Sometimes it's very predictable because it was after a good meal or a really good conversation or a really good fire or a glow of a Christmas tree or, or a sunset or a sunrise or sitting on a beach or a walk with a friend. But also sometimes it's really, really weird, bizarre, like sitting in traffic or sitting at your desk at work or, you know, teaching a class or just laying in your bed or just sitting at your couch or just walking to the post office. Yeah, have you felt that before? It just kind of comes over you. What's interesting, that is joy, and we talked about that, that God is the keeper of joy, and Jesus is our joy, right? But then, this is interesting, and this is what I learned a lot from uh, an Indian philosopher. His name was Jay Krish, I can't even say his last name. I really appreciate what he had to say about this. It helped me with pleasure and desire, okay? Because pleasure and desire are wrapped up in love, right? When I looked at, when I listened to the songs that we were talking about, the Beatles, their love songs were all based upon a woman, right? Norwegian, Norwegian love? Is it Norwegian love? Norwegian wood. Norwegian wood. I once had a girl, or should I say she once had me? Man, that was a good song. Anyway, um, Right. But it's it. All of these love songs are about somebody. Somebody once told me the world. Sorry, I'm just into songs this morning, man. You could like every song. Right. I just did. I just sing that in church. Yeah. But anyway. But these songs are all based on love. Ready for this? Being transactional. And love's not transactional, right? Think about it. what is love, lady, don't hurt me, don't hurt me no more. You can hurt somebody when there's a transaction, when love's contractual. And so what happens is, what happens is pleasure and desire take over. And what we do is we say, all right, if you meet my needs, you love me. And if I love you, I will meet your needs. When you stop meeting my needs, I will no longer love you anymore. Now, no one really wants to be honest with that, but let's be honest. When you're grumpy with your spouse, odds are they failed your expectations. Whether it's micro, right? Meaning, not microwave, micro, meaning small. They, 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 that day, today, right? Today, that husband did not do what you asked him to do, okay? That wife, right? That wife, she totally did something you didn't ask her to do. You know, isn't that funny how that works, right? Isn't that funny how that works, right? She's like, you didn't do what I asked you to do. And you're like, oh. Then the guy's like, my word, I didn't ask you to do that. Isn't it, a, isn't it funny how that works? But those are micro expectations. What about macro expectations? What about macro expectations? Those ones are really, really deep. You know, I told you about my visit to the psychologist this last fall when I went to do my uh, psychiatric eval. So this is when I was going for, I'm working on my ordination. And uh, man, 
it's a lot of money. I think uh, the ministry ended up paying for half of it, and then I got scholarships for like a little bit more, and then I think we we're only out of pocket a little bit. I think it ended up being like 2000 bucks for me to have a psychiatric eval, and I wish that everyone had $2,000. It was very hard. It was very, um, very, not embarrassing. What's the word? Like vulnerable. It was very, ah, very vulnerable. I mean, I did about 30 hours of answering questions and paperwork and writing my story up to and a, and a psychologist and a counselor had that paperwork and could work through it for a good month before I came for my meeting. So they were ready to talk to me. And then I had two days, it was eight hours a day. So 16 hours of meeting with psychologists and a counselor, right? And remember I had that crazy sermon when I came home from it. And essentially here's, you know, remember that sermon? Everyone's like, what just happened? Well, I just spent 16 hours with a psychologist laying on his couch. What's wrong with me? And what he said was, was incredible. He, he essentially said that, and he nailed it. He said that I have learned to get your approval by being good at communicating, by being kind and charming, by having the, you know, the, the, the pastoral presence. Learned it from my dad. But in my heart of hearts, I don't believe any of you actually love me. I believe that if I stopped being your pastor, that your love is for the pastor position and not for me. He, he, he pushed me into that. Now that's, that, that's not talking about you guys. He's talking about my belief. Not talking about you and what you actually believe. My belief is that you only love the pastor, not Marcus. And where it comes out isn't, it, would co it comes out, most pastors believe that, and it comes out in depression. The, 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 the statistics of depression in pastoral care, or pastoral position is, is, is off the charts. I mean, absolutely off the charts. You can all pray for Heidi, because mine doesn't come out in depression. If Heidi could just be that fortunate. <laughs> mine comes out, and man, he nailed this. When I go home, this is going to really put me in a really poor light, but here we go. I'm being vulnerable with you. I go home and I say, without my words, with my actions, Heidi, I am going to do nothing for you. Nothing. I'm going to do nothing for you. And I want to see if you'll love me. Man, when he articulated that, it was like I heard that. Wow. I'm asking her to prove her love for me. I believe she's the only one in the world that loves me. There's a part in me that's like, no, no one else loves me. So I'm going to be rude, unkind. I'm going to not meet your needs. And I don't want to see. Will you love me? Will you? Will you still love me? Because if you do, boy, that would feel really good. Because I didn't do anything for you. And I know that you're choosing me. Right? Man, this is why you pay these psychologists. <laughs> you're like, whoa, buddy. That's good. That's really good, man. And, and, like, and like he was speaking to something in me that I hadn't been spoken to before. So that was kind of weird and awkward and vulnerable and felt kind of tingly and fun. It's a fuzzy. And, you know, remember that scene? What is happening? <laughs> ah! Ah! I feel all warm and tingly inside. <laughs> and I'm leaking. Remember that? And I'm leaking. Remember that? It's my favorite part of the Grinch movie, right? Ah! And then he goes... Ah, uh, Max, I love you. 
And then the dog comes over and starts licking him, and he's like, okay, okay. One step at a time. If you haven't seen The Grinch, the Jim Carrey version, you totally should. It's a great one. It's a good one. But love, right? See what I did there with love? I've made love contractual. I've said, I'm not going to look for you to love me. I'm going to have you scratch the surface for me, right? You're going to scratch my back. And 80% of the time, I'm good with that because I'm pretty shallow. I love words of affirmation and I love physical touch. I am a pretty shallow person. So I love it when you scratch my back and I love it when you tell me, man, that sermon was awesome. Or man, I love this church. And man, this was really great. That Christmas service. I'm like, ah, right? But then that 20% of the time when I really, really, really want to be loved, I don't want to be affirmed anymore. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be told how good of a job I'm doing anymore. I actually want to be loved poor girl she's the only one I turn to and I want her to love me without anything in return so I know this was all subconscious I've never been able to articulate that but what is that that's contractual I'm saying the contract that we have together is that you'll meet the little surface areas of my needs and then the contract that I have with her is that you're going to meet my deep deep need okay and guess what I've done I've projected that onto God I've projected that onto God and I've gone one further. I'm down a deep rabbit hole. I've gone one further. I've made her God. I've made her God. See what I did there? Here's the guy that preaches to you about not making things God and what have I done? I've made Heidi God. And what happens when you make somebody God? One, she lets me down. And two, I try to squeeze omnipotence, right? Omnipresence. You know, I want her to be all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving, and always present. You can't ask that out of a human being. Come on. I mean, my mother came close, but (laughs) (laughs) can't ask that out of a human being. That's wrong. You will be let down, and they will be let down. And what happens is, and back to this uh, uh, Indian philosopher, okay, joy. Remember I talking about that joy that comes over us, right? That joy. This is what pleasure is. Pleasure is the mind. Here we go. This is psychology. This is psychology. I, like, I told you I'm shallow, but I do like to scratch the surface of deeper stuff. Joy happens. You can't really predict it. Can't really tell when it's going to come. Then this is where we think we can predict it, right? Pleasure is the mind remembering the joy and pursuing the duplication of it. So, I had a good meal today. I must figure out how to have a good meal tomorrow. (laughs) Right? I enjoyed that experience, so therefore I'm going to try to recreate it. it Whether it be beauty... Sunrise, sunset, starry night, whatever. Try to re, you know, regenerate it. Whether it be, you know, uh, relational, right? How many of you have had a moment where that, on the shallow end, we'll say, that, that, that cup of coffee or that cup of tea or that swig of whatever else you drink, um, really hit the spot like wow 
wow, that was good. Like, oh, that was amazing. And then three days later, you have the exact same beverage, same everything, same blend, same, same temperature, same whatever. And you're like, eh, was a, eh, eh. Yeah, right? How many of you have gone to a restaurant and been like, oh, man, that meal was on point. So next month you go, I'm going there. And you go. And what happens? Meh, meh. See, that is the mind trying to reduplicate what happened. And that is pleasure. That is the pursuit of pleasure. And that's desire. What happens is there is a journey between joy and love. Okay? And we believe that the object that gave us joy is what loves us. And what loves us gets tangled up in the pleasure and desire, fulfillment, expectation, craziness. So all of a sudden we love food, or we love music, or we love sex, or we love sleep, or we love walks on the beach, or we love mountain vacations, or we love skiing. Because they gave us the joy. And we try to duplicate it. And guess what happens? That becomes contractual. And is love contractual? No. And that's why we get very disappointed on ski vacations. That's why we get super grumpy the day after Christmas. Right? I almost wish Christmas never came. Because that expectation is what I love. Right? I'm an expectation guy. Boy, I love expectation. I love my smoker. I've got a smoker, not you guys, but I've got an actual <laughs> smoker. And what I love about my smoker is it takes 8 to 12 to sometimes 18 hours to do a good brisket or some good ribs or a good roast or a good wing. And all along, I'm like, oh, oh. Uh, every time I go in and out of my garage, I'm like, yeah, right? And then what happens when I sit down and actually have my brisket? I'm like, mm, it doesn't work. Uh, maybe I can do it differently this time. Next time I want to, mm, I'm already into the next time. I'm not even done. I haven't even completed my plate yet. I'm like, uh, you know, next time I'm going to dry rub it earlier. I'm going to let it sit out, you know. We're, you know, I love the expectation. But I'm making joy and I'm making love contractual. And they're just not. And, and this philosopher really got me thinking when he talked about this pleasure-desire thing and how pleasure is just the memory recalling joy and trying to duplicate it. You know? I'll end with a modern-day philosopher. His name is Will Smith. <laughs> Miami. <laughs> yeah, Men in black. Listen, whatever you want, you know? Uh, but he's also been some really good ones. Concussion. Uh, Fresh Prince, thank you. Get jiggy with it. Get jiggy with it. No, 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 right? Will, I, you got to hand it to Will Smith. The guy's pretty stinking talented, right? If you haven't seen the movie Concussion about the NFL and concussions in the NFL, he knocks it out of the park in that movie. Um, any rate, he had a little YouTube video on love, and he said something in that YouTube video that I thought was really quite incredible. He said this. He believes love should be spelt L-U-V. And what he meant by that is this. Listen. Understand. Validate. 
really quite beautiful. And what's awesome, he goes, love does not ask the object of the love to fulfill the need of the person giving the love. Love is the person giving love thinking, acting, speaking, moving, doing, not doing in order for the object of the love to be what its original design and purpose was. Let me say that again. Love, right, is when you 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 choose, right? To ask what is it this person was designed to do to be and I'm going to pursue that not how can this object fulfill my need and that's a big difference it's a big difference it's very 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 difficult right Heidi and I've been married for 15 years and that's some real blurry lines there you know I would say a really small minority of the time I'm asking the Lord to give me the love for Heidi that would show me what it is he's designed her to be and what he designed her to become and what what, what is her desire to be and, and, and foster that and, and, and build that up, you know? I would say a majority of the time, I'm like, hey, this is what I want you to be. This is what I need you to be. Let's, let's go. Let's get on the same page and let's go, right? And um, Will Smith said this, love is not contractual, it's like gardener is to flower. So a gardener, right, weeds the garden. A gardener tills the earth. A gardener waters the plant. The gardener plants it during the right time for the sun and the warmth of the soil. And does the gardener sit there and say, you know, lilac, I want you to be a lily. Right? Does it do that? No. The, the gardener steps back and after hard work, toil, lets the lets it grow and be what it is correct it doesn't sit there and say well i didn't want lilies i wanted a lilac or i didn't want peas i wanted corn you know now i'm upset at you because i didn't want peas i wanted corn you know they don't uh, you know and and what's crazy is uh you know think about all the times a farmer gets let down by its crop I think why, if I'm really honest, one of the reasons why I don't love Heidi the way I'm supposed to, here's another song, love hurts. <laughs> love hurts. It does. I am so vulnerable when I really love. So vulnerable. But we need to trust the Lord. That this is the process that he did, that the process that he made. And God, right, it says we love because we were first loved. We've, what's so beautiful about being a Christian is we have hope, we have answers, we have someone who has shown us the way. Because Jesus has asked nothing of me and he loved me. While I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. Gave his life. Greater love has no man than this, that one would lay down his life a friend and this is how we know what love is jesus christ laid down his life and we ought to lay down our lives for another and what i have to be very careful of okay is it looks like on the surface that i would lay down my life for any of you in my congregation but i come home and would i lay down my life for my closest family you know 
I'd take a train for Heidi. Come on, that's easy. I'd take a bullet for Heidi. That's easy. I would take a moving car. I would jump off a cliff. I would run in front of a wall of water for Heidi. Come on. That's of the movies. That's of the movies. But would I help Jesse get ready when I'm trying to get out the door and Heidi's in the shower? <laughs> that's, that's a lot harder than taking a train. I'm trying to leave, and he can't find his boots. Go to school barefooted, kid. <laughs> My great-grandfather did. So can you. Right? That's harder. Right, Jesse? That's harder because i got to be patient and kind and not, you know, not be like, Heidi, let's go, you know? See what I'm saying? See what I'm saying? It hit me hard. I was reading this book called Radical. Anyone read the book called Radical? Pretty, pretty, pretty radical. And I was reading it in my recliner. And they were talking about the church in China and how they are just absolutely martyred and whipped and beaten and pushed over by bulldozers and killed. I mean, awful stuff. And I'm reading it in my recliner by a fireplace. And I felt this big. I didn't want to read the book anymore because I'm like, what am I doing for the Lord? I'm sitting in a recliner by a fireplace. I'm like, oh, my coffee's kind of cold. I guess I'll go microwave it. Right? I felt this big. But then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit, I love how the Holy Spirit deals with me. The Holy Spirit does not use soft gloves with Marcus, because I think I'm pretty dull, pretty dumb. He uses two-by-fours. And he hit me that morning. Whack, right? He hit me, and he said this. You're not in China, are you, right now? If I'd called you to China, there'd be doors open, you should be going to China. But you're not. You know what's radical, Marcus? What's radical is caring about the ones that are down the hallway more than you care for yourself. Your wife, your kids, the people in your office, the people on your street, caring about them more than you care for yourself. That's radical. Why don't you get that down first before you start worrying about people in China? I got them. And maybe I'll send you there someday. But I ain't going to send you there if you can't love your neighbor, pal. Right? Yeah, the one that runs a chainsaw at 645. You know, the one that votes differently than you. Right? The one, you know, that has an issue with you or, or, or drop the tree that probably was really actually on your side of the property line and not theirs. Ooh. Yeah, want to go to China, anybody? Yeah. Love. Love. What's love got to do with it? Yeah, we could go forever, huh? <laughs> You're probably wondering why this scripture was on the front. I never talked about it. Remember I told you the Holy Spirit doesn't use soft things with me. I'm reading this the other morning at like five o'clock in the morning and all of a sudden it dawned on me. Look at this. If I have the gift of prophecy and if I understood all God's secrets, plans, and possessed all knowledge and I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't have love, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and sacrificed my body and if I attended church all the time and taught Sunday school and I voted correctly and I listened to Christian music and I raised my kids the way that they should be raised and we read from the King James Bible every minute of the day <laughs> and had not love, I am nothing. I would gain nothing. And all of a sudden it just hit me the other morning. Nothing. What is nothing? No Thing. No thing. What is thing? What's the thing he's talking about? What's the thing? 
I would be no thing? All right, well, what, what, are, what aren't I? What's the thing? That thing, that thing, that thing. You guys remember Lauren Hill? Some girls you know you gotta watch out. Some guys are only about that thing, that. The thing! The thing! What's the thing? It's love. And what is love? God is love. And when we don't love the way it is designed to be done, we do not have the thing. And we're all looking for the thing. All of a sudden, that, that word thing was as big as my living room. I don't know why. It might not mean this to you, but it meant it to me. All of a sudden, it just dawned on me. No thing. If you want the thing, I'm looking for the thing. I don't know about you, but I'm looking for the thing. Why do you think I try to squeeze it out of Heidi? Why do I try to squeeze it out of the success of the ministry? Why do I try to squeeze it out of a pow day on the East Coast that comes once every 15 years? I squeeze it out of the Patriots who look like they're barely limping into the playoffs this year. I squeeze it out of the brisket that comes out of my smoker. Ah, oh, the thing. I'm looking for the thing. I'm looking for it. And it's right here. Nothing. All these up here, they're just things. The thing is love, and the love is God, because God is love, the Bible says. Jesus, I'm appreciative that you use my weird ADD brain and all of these songs that are up in my mind. I love music, God. It is the language that goes through all barriers, all worldviews, all music's incredible. But Lord, we also know music's very powerful, can lead us down roads that, um, Lord, I know, I know I've listened to country music and thought that just catching that bass would make me feel better. Lord, we're all looking for the thing and you are the thing. And the fact that you are love is the thing. Love is the thing. Lord, we have to confess as a Christian people that we have improperly judged the people around us and said, oh, they're looking for the thing. They watch Netflix. They're looking for the thing. They're on Facebook probably 10 hours a day. They're looking for the thing. I know they drink too much. Oh, they're looking for the thing. I heard they smoke weed. They're looking for the thing. They go on way more vacations than me. They're looking for the thing. They drive a much better car than me and they're dressed better than I ever dressed. They're looking for the thing. <laughs> God, we are so, so nearsighted. For we as the evangelical Christians, we have made faith the thing. If I had all faith to move all the mountains, but had not love, I am no thing. I have no thing. I've gained no thing lord because it is not our faith it is the object of our faith and you are the object of our faith forgive us for making the bible it forgive us for making higher education the christian forgive us for making ministries forgive us for making doctrine and theology forgive us for having traditions forgive us for making the children the thing and and making making you know making success and making comfortability all the th thing and lord we just must look so pathetic from your view up in heaven because you're like wow if you just got it you'd not waste so much time you wouldn't be so bummed out you i am the thing give us power by the holy spirit to grab hold of the thing to love you with all of our heart with all of our soul with all of our mind with all of our strength thank you lord we love you it's your name we pray amen